0: Welcome to a new Advoices episode. I'm Elena Schulz and this week I'm going to share a very special podcast with you. A few days ago, the World Bank released its first ever flagship report on education. It's called Learning to Realize Education's Promise. Now, if that doesn't sound promising, our policy officer Jennifer Ulrich and ActionAid's David Archer unpack the most important bits of the report for you and look into the pros and cons of the World Bank's take on learning, teaching, education, and the future of our school systems. Enjoy. Hello listeners, I'm Jennifer Ulrich from the Education and Employment Unit at Education International and I'm here today with our expert David Archer. He is the Head of Participation and Public Services at ActionAid. He is also the co-founder and a board member of Global Campaign for Education and the Chair of the Right to Education Project. So today we're talking about the World Bank's 2018 World Development Report that was released yesterday, entitled Learning to Realize Education's Promise. And this is the World Bank Group's first ever flagship report on education. The focus of the report is on the learning crisis. So this is the problem of children being in school, but not learning sufficiently. So the report suggests that the learning crisis is also an equity crisis. It argues that low learning traps are a great injustice and recommends how to tackle this problem. So I'm talking to David to ask him about his comments on the report. So first of all, David, um, can you tell me a bit about your initial observations of the report having just seen it?
1: Indeed, it's, uh, well, first of all, it's a long report, 240 pages, uh, uh, and, of course, it's wonderful that the World Bank, at last, after 40 years, has produced a World Development Report that focuses on education, uh, long overdue, they should have done so many years ago, um, and I think in one way or another, it does help to make the uh, case much greater priority and in investment to be given to education, and that has to be welcomed, but... um I think overall, the the fundamental problem with the report is that its focus is far too narrow on uh, learning outcomes and assessment of those learning outcomes. Uh, And uh, as a result of that, it misses some of the really critical issues in the field of education on which it really ought to have uh, made more substantial contributions, most notably I think it doesn't uh, sufficiently address the continuing crisis in access to education, uh, both the primary and secondary education. It's astonishingly um, uh, limited in the comments that it makes about the financing of education, which is the area where you might have expected the World Bank to have had something to say. Um, it's uh, a little bit mixed uh, in relation to uh, uh, the sort of uh, central role of public education, although it's quite pleasingly critical of some of the trends towards uh, for-profit private provision of education.
0: Uh,
1: It's got, I would say, very mixed messages uh, around teachers and the role of uh, professional teachers. It continues this historic World Bank double speak on teachers. Um, And then when it comes to learning outcomes and to learning assessments, I think it's, uh, it doesn't break as much new ground as we would have expected it to. Uh, it sort of uh, more or less uh, fits within a, uh, a wider narrative that has been put forward in uh, recent years from those who are focused uh, on uh, trying to improve learning outcomes. Of course, it's not uh, unimportant and we should be rightly concerned to improve learning outcomes. Um, uh, but uh, I think having focused so uh, narrowly on that as a topic, it misses the the, the bigger picture and uh, and that's my central concern.
0: Okay, thank you very much. That's a really good um, overview. Uh, We would like to unpack a bit some of the the comments you've just made. I think to start with financing because of course um, this is an area which the World Bank has a lot of influence Um, And at Education International, we were certainly surprised to see that that wasn't more of a major focus. Um, The report says that um, public spending is not correlated with learning and that education funding is sometimes inadequate. Um, Do you not think that this might send a bit of a dangerous message to governments and also donors that um, increased financing is not necessary?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a, it is a serious risk. Um, I mean, it, the report does acknowledge that uh, financing uh, needs will rise uh, and that there is a very strong rationale for public investment in education. It, it is quite clear about that, uh, but it sort of uh, does by making the central argument that more spending doesn't necessarily uh, lead to more learning or improvements in learning outcomes it is at risk of giving the impression uh, to those who want to hear that message that actually the challenge is not about mobilizing more funding, when very clearly it is. And the report itself says so, um, but it's uh, but that sort of mixed messaging is, I think, uh, unhelpful. Uh, it, of course, we all know that uh, it's not just about having more money. How you spend that money is important, and if you... Uh, uh, spend money ineffectively uh, or badly, uh, that's that's not going to achieve the changes uh, we want to see. Too much and too often uh, funding doesn't actually arrive where it is most needed in uh, paying for more teachers and better trained teachers and arriving in schools to support schools. And in practice, uh, in many cases, the most disadvantaged communities are the last communities to actually receive uh, the funding in practice. So it's not a surprise if there's an unevenness uh, uh, in, in that. Now, uh, but to give the suggestion or to make the suggestion that uh, uh, more money is not a central part of the answer is a serious problem. Now, the World Bank, as bank, you would have thought would put, edu- uh, would put financing right at the heart uh, of this uh, report. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons it gives for not doing so is that there was this Education Finance Commission last year uh, that uh, uh, that addressed the topic, but actually uh, last year the Education Finance Commission led by Gordon Brown produced a very long report in which su- surprisingly little was said about financing, in fact a very large amount was said about learning. So this report more or less echoes that same problem. Um, there's a desperately urgent need to to look at different dimensions of financing. And the Global Campaign for Education has got this sort of framework where it says, well, yes, every government ought to increase its share of the budget on education towards 20%. We ought to also, however, look at the size of the government budget overall, expanding the domestic tax base. Um, uh, you also need to look at the sensitivity of the spending of the budget. To make sure that it's arriving where it's needed and and really focused on equity and that also you need to look at the scrutiny of the budget to make sure that the money actually arrives in practice Uh, that sort of framework uh, all of those different dimensions of how you effectively finance education are really uh, brushed over or largely ignored in this report and i think that the real problem here is the ministries of finance who are one of the sort of major target audiences of this report, will be looking into this report for some guidance on where they should be making investments, how they should be making investments, what sort of uh, uh, commitments they should be making. And I don't think that this report is going to serve that purpose in any significant way. Uh, And that's a a really uh, serious gap.
0: Okay, thank you. Yes, um, we were reading it here as well, and it seems as though um, the... The focus is how to spend the money but actually as you mentioned it actually lacks quite a lot of detail on um, the exact ways in which to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah I think that, that, is, that is the problem that it, it, it just doesn't really take, take the financing questions anywhere nearly nearly as seriously uh, as, it, as it should And we just constantly have to remind ourselves this is the World Bank. Its fundamental role and responsibility is around mobilizing financing for development um, and uh, to produce a report, a first ever report on education and not to make a substantial contribution to uh, what is widely recognized as as one of the biggest challenges is the desperate need to mobilize uh, massively increased resources a more or less a doubling of resources if we're going to actually achieve the Sustainable Development Goal on Education, not to say something meaningful about how that can be achieved, how finance ministries can expand the domestic tax base, how they can more effectively uh, um, uh, dedicate resources to education and target them effectively. That, that is a, a serious omission.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Okay, so I also wanted to ask you um, about the issue of access that you mentioned at the beginning. Um, As, of course, the focus of the report is um, on learning, um, the report has not so much to say about the issue of access. Is that correct? Or do you think that the report has sufficiently... um, uh, addressed the, the huge problem of many disadvantaged children who do not still have access to schools.
1: Well, it's, uh, at, at first, an earlier version of this report had almost nothing on access. <clears throat> and I think that as a result of uh, some uh, uh, advocacy work by civil society organizations, there are now some um, pieces of, uh, of the report that address questions of access uh, there's, uh, you know, there, I mean, but but the overall tone is one that suggests that uh, the access challenge has been largely met. It says that schooling has expanded almost universally and that, you know, uh, if you look back at 1970, those primary enrollment rate was 68% in Africa and 47% in South Asia. Now, um, uh, those enrollment rates are above 100% in both regions. Now, that's rather misleading. That, that in, in fact, of course, there are still very large numbers of children not in school. The report does acknowledge that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it says that 61 million primary school age children are out of school and 220 million age uh, 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 children and youth are out of school. Um, but it, it doesn't really offer much in the way of uh, effective interventions to address that. What it does say, and I think it's... Um, to be welcomed um, is that the costs of education, both the formal fees and, and uh, a whole range of other expenses, are the single biggest cause that keep children out of school. Uh, and it notes that, you know, in 90%, uh, although 90% of the world's low-income countries now have declared free primary education, in fact, uh, uh, only 40% of, of countries provide lower secondary education. Uh, in a way uh, that is uh, free of charges, um, and it, it celebrates the fact that uh, demand-side interventions, where you actually really focus on making school free and you eliminate school fees, school fees, have actually uh, been successful in raising enrolments, um, and uh, that this is probably the single most effective intervention. So um, that, that of course, is to be welcomed because the World Bank itself has in the past had rather mixed messages around the importance of free education and the abolition of fees. Um, uh, in, in certainly in the past, it was uh, poor cost sharing and the charging of fees in the 70s, 80s, 90s. There was a small period in the 2000s when they, beginning of the 2000s, when they started supporting the abolition of fees. But in recent years, they've, their messaging on this has been more mixed. Um, And in some ways, this report reasserts the importance of addressing free education as one of the most uh, strategic interventions for improving access. That's a good thing, uh, but the report really sort of puts that as a sort of small side note, really, um, to uh, the overall narrative uh, that focuses on learning outcomes. And so it doesn't end up... um, elevating uh, in any serious way the recommendations needed to address the crisis in access. And, of course, if the concern is that children from disadvantaged communities are those who have the lowest levels of learning and who are disadvantaged uh, when uh, their their education doesn't lead to learning, well, uh, the biggest challenge of all is that children are not learning if they're not in school in the first place. And I would certainly have liked to see much more priority attached to uh, action to address that.
0: Okay, great. Um, you mentioned now um, especially the, um, the fact that fees are a barrier to, um, for, for children to access school. Um, so at Education Inter- International, we have the global response against the privatization and commercialization of education. And we've been watching with concern for a while the World Bank's own funding of low fee private schools. Um, how do you see the reports um, coverage of the public private debate um, in light of its previous funding of Lofi private schools? Well, it,
1: this is an interesting one, and there it does seem to me to be a significant shift in tone. Um, the uh, report really does resist uh, or avoid using uh, the phrase public education systems. Uh, it doesn't really um, emphasize the importance of public education, but it does focus a lot on the strengthening of systems. And it actually has some quite challenging observations when it comes to the private sector and particularly for-profit private schools. Uh, it um, is very clear that there's no consistent evidence that private schools deliver better learning outcomes than public schools, uh, and actually sort of quotes quite a lot of the research and evidence uh, that shows that really what a lot of these, even these low-fee uh, low private schools are just skimming off um, higher-income students or those who come from slightly better off households um, and um, leaving the most disadvantaged in the public education systems, and that this can actually deepen social divisions um, uh, within countries. And it's very striking, um, but uh, certainly from my reading of the report, there does not seem to be a single reference to Bridge International Academies, who are one of the most problematic uh, of these commercial chains of low fee private schools. Uh, in the past, the World Bank President Jim Kim had been quite supportive, had a, a, a sort of made a speech supporting bridge. And the fact that they are not in the report in any significant way actually, I think, represents a, a, a success for civil society advocacy in this area um, and a fairly significant shift uh, uh, in the bank's position. Um, In fact, it's very strong in saying that uh, if you actually have, you know, an expansion of private schooling, it can undermine the political constituency necessary for effective public schooling, Um, and that governments, particularly in low-income countries, who are faced with either the challenge of trying to uh, create a regulatory framework for private provision or uh, investing in public education. Say so, uh, governments might, uh, and this is a direct quote: "Governments may deem it more straightforward to provide quality education than to regula- regulate a disparate collection of providers that may not have the same objectives." So it's really saying that uh, for many governments, it is much better to invest in a quality public education system and to move away from uh, support to. Uh, or using any public funding to uh, uh, private provision. Um, In fact, there's even a few uh, uh, striking comments, I would say, that uh, suggest that uh, the uh, for-profit private providers um, are more likely to be um, interested in pursuing profit than the real interests of their students, uh, and that there's a problem when the business community more generally uh, spends a lot of time lobbying for lower taxes and spending uh, rather than supporting the case for quality education. So I see this as a fairly uh, significant uh, move, uh, and we, we were worried that this report might come out uh, in uh, support of an expanded role for the private sector, and in fact, I think fairly clearly it does not, uh, and it's actually a, a bit of a reassertion the importance of public education systems, even though the World Bank finds it difficult to use that term.
0: Okay, yes. Thank you for mentioning um, the kind of a conflict of interests that um, the report brings up in terms of um, private providers of textbooks and um, uh, actors maybe like Pearson who ha- might have um, other interests other than learning. But when I was reading it, I s- I found that it quite problematic the way that it seemed to show that these kind of private providers are on the same kind of par as teachers who may also have other interests, such as their salaries or their working conditions. And this equation of these two actors as both being um, uh, kind of stakeholders who um, do not align with learning was problematic. For me, and in the end, from that, um, you were mentioning um, Bridge International Academies, and of course, at Education International, we are interested in um, teachers, and we were very um, uh, worried to see that although teachers are seen as key actors and are very important for quality education. How then um, is the fact that the World Bank support for Bridge International Academies, who um, replace teachers, in fact, with technology such as um, teacher tablets, how how is that then reconciled?
1: Well, it's an interesting... uh, uh, There's clearly a gap between what the World Bank and particularly uh, IFC are doing with their funding in supporting Bridge. And what this report uh, uh, comes out uh, uh, as saying should be the case. Now, I think that uh, one of the interesting things would be to call for the World Bank to review all of its actual investments in education to make sure that they are consistent in supporting public education and do not go down the line of uh, supporting interventions where uh, teachers are sort of reduced to a sort of Uh, basically untrained uh, cheap labor workforce who are robotically just uh, dictating from a computer tablet, which is uh, what Bridge International uh, are ultimately doing. So I think it would be important for us to uh, demand uh, a more uh, consistency and coherency in practice practice from the bank in this area. Um, Certainly uh, the the tone of this report, I think, is, is one that on this question uh, is broadly progressive that teachers, uh, well-trained teachers, will always be needed, and that technology is never going to be a standalone solution. It, 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 uh, it, it will only work when you are, in fact, reinforcing and expanding the training of professional teachers and ensuring that training is sustained and ongoing. So that that's that that's to be welcomed. I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um... Yeah, it seems like maybe um, some of the recommendations in the report are um, sort of in contradiction with the policy advice and lending that has happened um, to date. However, it also seems like within the report, there are some contradictions um, within the report itself. So um, it seems like Finland is being upheld um, for the teacher professionalism and um At the same time, contract teachers um, uh, are promoted in a sense, and um, teachers are shown to be unmotivated, underskilled, and also um, teacher absenteeism is shown to be costing governments a lot of money. Um, What do you think about this potential contradiction between the uh, analysis of teachers within the report?
1: Well, I, I think, and, and as, as I said at the beginning, I, I think that th- this report still gets caught up in, in, in what has been a long tradition of the World Bank's double speak on teachers. They want to, and they know that they ought to celebrate the importance of a stronger uh, teaching profession. They uh, want to, uh, and, and they know that actually uh, that, that, that challenging, uh, the teaching profession is not part of the solution. And yet they still end up uh, in multiple places uh, doing exactly that. So I think that uh, it's just sort of the lack of consistency in this narrative on teachers is is very striking. Uh, uh, And yet it does say we need more and better training of teachers, um, effectively a more uh, capable um, uh, teaching workforce. But by challenging the credibility of most existing training, it sort of undermines the profession at the same time. Um, And by asserting the importance of uh, giving teachers financial and non-financial incentives to improve learning, it points towards uh, a system of performance-related pay, which is, we know, just uh, not a credible alternative and one which has all sorts of fundamental problems uh, the bank doesn't explicitly and directly call for that in this report, but it does, it seemed to me, point in that direction, and that is problematic. Um, there, there is no reflection in the report, and it's, it's generally the case through the report, that, the bank, that, that, that it doesn't reflect on what the World Bank itself has done with its investments over many years. And you know the bank over many years did support the closing down of teacher training colleges, the spread of non-professional teachers, uh, particularly in Africa. And it would have been good to see some acknowledgement uh, a recognition that they have done damage to the teaching profession in the past, and that it is time to roll back from that and to uh, and to really work to build uh, a more credible and coherent and better um, uh, resourced teaching profession. So it's inconsistent, it's problematic, um, but the overall tone is one where um, I think we we can say, well, uh, the bank is now saying we need a well-trained and effective teaching profession and that's the most important ingredient for improving learning.
0: Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, from the perspective of our affiliates, I expect that what they are wondering is what effect um, this report is going to have in the future. So, for unions and for teachers' work, do you think that this report um, is going to be influential for the lives of teachers?
1: Um, well, I think that there are some uh, there are some parts of it which we would want to uh, support, and some things which will be problematic. It is. Um, it does present, present teachers both as, uh, a, as a, a key to the solution of improving learning, but also in various ways as an obstacle. Um, ra- you know, all of this language about absentee teachers or ghost teachers is deeply problematic because it doesn't recognize that this is fundamentally a systemic problem. It's a problem with the governance and management of the system, not actually a problem with the teachers themselves. Um, but it, it ends up implicitly blaming teachers, and that's that, that continues a problematic narrative. It's also, I think, quite problematic in in uh, raising concerns that teacher unions are, uh, are sometimes part of the solution. And it gives a couple of positive examples, uh, for example, from Uganda. But it also suggests that in many cases, teacher unions can be an obstacle to reform. So we should take some good things on it. We should challenge those things that we don't agree with. Uh, I think that that's what you would expect from a reporting from the World Bank. Really, uh, some things which we can use, some things we need to challenge. Yes,
0: yeah, so I think we have a lot to do in the next weeks and months in terms of advocacy. Um, thank you very much, David Archer. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, and um, thank you for a very interesting discussion. Um, Before we end um, the podcast, I'd just like to let listeners know that Education International will be publishing a series of thematic blogs about the World Education Report over the coming months. And that will be on the World of Education blog. Um, Do also check Ed Voices for further podcasts on this topic. Um, We look forward to seeing you soon. enjoyed today's podcast? Then don't forget to subscribe. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes.